Blog Talk Radio. Man, it was real cool in school if we got good grades. I straight up A's. The parents were taking to a 76 game. I got my game and there ain't no shame. Big shots of Mo Cheeks and Moses Malone. Julius Serber called Philly is home. Bobby Jones, Daryl Dawkins, and Tony Sinkin' Freeze. Rocky Bobo will come from South Philly. But if you want to make it on time to the show, there's only one road that you really have to know. So get to Fishtown without all that job. I suggest that you drive on I-95. Want to get downtown but feeling in the fix. Get on that road they call 676, the most expensive, expensive piece of interstate. They ever made a palace, they ain't famous, but they got the game. Welcome to the 76ers Report with your hosts, Jeff McMiniman and Michael Kasky blomaine Believe it or not, the Sixers are just one game away from the halfway point of the regular season. Jeff and Mike reporting to you with another. As always, you can follow us on the app Stitcher and make sure to follow us on Twitter at 76ers Report. And to say happy birthday, the Chocolate Thunder, uh, Daryl Dawkins. He would have been 59 today. Uh, you know, everyone misses him around the Sixers community here. And uh, Mike, how have you been? Uh, you know, when we last talked, uh, the Sixers had been coming off of their last, uh, you know, their first win against the Lakers. It's been a little over a month since. You know, it's a new year. The team has a familiar man in Ish Smith running the point and has won three of their past nine games. Um, you know, what's different about this team in your mind in, in recent weeks here? Jeff, first of all, Happy New Year, man. It's good to uh, be back <laughs> talking some Sixers with you in, uh, in 2016, back for another year. But, uh, yeah, man, I mean, the uh, the addition of Ish Smith has been, uh, you know, r- really a blessing, I think, for Sixers fans, just in the the fact that the team is so much uh, so much easier to watch now. You know, not obviously there's still a uh, – you know they're not not making any sort of like crazy push to the playoffs or anything, and that's obviously not what the fan base wants. But just on a night in and night out basis, I think that uh, you know having a veteran point guard like Ish that can just kind of control an offense and you know set up guys, get get guys uh, you know some open opportunities around the rim, just makes a you know world of difference for a, a team with so many young guys like the Sixers, especially young big guys like uh, you know obviously Nerlens and. Joe Lill that just really benefit from having a you know a point guard that can kind of get the get them the ball in a position where they're comfortable to make something happen, and I think you know we saw a couple you know they've had only one win up until Ish joined on and they've had three since then and a couple of you know a couple other close ones that you know could have gone either way so I think uh, you know you, you're starting to see how much difference and how much impact uh, you know just like one one player and someone like Ish Smith who's you know as good as he is he's not even. Uh, you know, no one's considering him really like an all-star caliber point guard. It just shows how much, uh, you know, impact one player can make on the team. So, you know, it's great to have him back around, and I think it's, uh, you know, it's been really good for the development of all the young guys, especially, uh, you know, Nerlens. Yeah. Max impact that Ish has had on the big men on this team, he talked about, uh, playing with Ish Smith compared to playing without Ish Smith, you know, in 993 minutes, 
without him, he averaged 19.9 points on a 48% field goal percentage. Um, and with him, you know, in 82 minutes, averaging 23.7 points on 60% shooting. Um, you know, and the same goes for Noel. Without him, in 993 minutes, 13 points a game, 45% uh, shooting. And uh, with him, you know, 196 minutes, 17 points a game, 68% shooting. Um, you know, do you think that's just the case of actually having a, a point guard that can, you know, penetrate and, and find them down low in those spots that uh, maybe a big man is used to being in rather than, you know, it, it seemed like with uh, the combination of T.J. McConnell, Tony Roden, and uh, and uh, Kendall Marshall, you know, they were just kind of feeding it to them where they would have to almost work by themselves to, to get that shot. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that makes a world of difference. Uh, you know, the ability to, to penetrate and also the ability that Ish has to be, uh, you know, a scorer himself. Uh, you know, his, his jump shots obviously improved and he can, you know, take the ball and finish at the rim himself. So defenders have to be, you know, aware of that too, where earlier in the season with a guy like TJ McConnell, or uh, you know Tony when he when he was in as good as TJ was at kind of moving the ball around you know he wasn't no no one on the the defensive side really viewed him as a threat to shoot or take the ball to the basket and when that's the case you know it's easier for a defender to sag off or to stay on their their man in the post and not have to come over to help with Ish uh, you know and his ability to penetrate and get into the paint you know a defender will have to come over and help if Ish beats his you know the guard off the dribble and then that you know, creates open opportunities down there for Noel uh, and Jalil. And, uh, you know, and the same with the pick and roll that they, uh, Ish and Noel have been running at the top of the key. You know, when they when they do that, defenders have to respect, it, respect Ish's ability to drive the ball and finish at the rim, which, you know, even a split second of hesitation on a defender's part, you know, gives that, you know, second opportunity for Noel to crash the rim and get the, the alley-oop opportunities. So I think, uh, yeah, just, just the ability really of Ish to get into the lane and make opportunities for both himself and for his teammates just makes a, uh, you know, a world of difference. And I think a lot of people, you know, us and you and me included, kind of knew that, uh, you know, coming into the year, we saw what the type of impact Ish was able to have, especially on Noel at the end of last season, and then, you know, con contrasted to the beginning of this season where the offense was really having a lot of difficulty getting going, uh, you know, because of the point guard play. I think a lot of people realize that, you know, once you get a guy in there like Ish that can kind of operate, uh, you know, create for himself and for others, it'll just really open up, you know, different aspects of the offense. Yeah, and, I mean, we all knew that Ish last year, you know, the impact he had, especially on Maryland's Noel towards the end of the season, um, but did you expect, you know, this much of a scoring, um, you know, output that he's been showing? You know, his, his clip is up from 12 points a game last year to 16 points a game so far uh, with his team. And, you know, his assists are up from 6.1 to 7.8. His seals are up from 1.3 to 1.6. Do you just feel like Ish is really coming in into himself as a player right now? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a combination of that and a combination of the opportunity. I, I mean, on this team, even compared to last year, like he, he's definitely looked to to provide a lot of the offense. I mean, looking back at the stints that he's been with on other teams, uh, you know, the 16.2 that he's been averaging since he came back to Philly is 
you know, far and away the most points he's ever averaged on, uh, you know, any team ever uh, prior to that. And I think a lot of that is, A, the confidence. I think, you know, it, it definitely had to send a message to him that the team was so, you know, happy to get him back after a short stint last year, even though, you know, the team's not doing so great right now for, you know, you've heard, you know, numerous athletes talk about the feeling of being wanted by a franchise and how that, you know, adds to the confidence. And Brett Brown, you know, clearly loves Ish and is in his corner. And I think having all that is definitely just helping his confidence on the court. You know, he, he's, he doesn't have to look over his shoulder like he, he probably did earlier in the season down in uh, New Orleans with, you know, Drew Holiday and Eric Gordon and uh, whoever else they had carried, like bringing the ball up. He's, you know, clearly the Sixers starting point guard for the rest of the season. And I think those factors are just, uh, you know, combined with the fact that he's getting uh, over 30 minutes a game here, which is also the most that he's ever had in his career is, uh, you know, combined to get him to put up those numbers that, you know, like you said, it's slightly more, I think, than, you know, we would have expected from him, even though we saw, you know, flashes of what he was able to do last year. And, you know, we haven't had the opportunity to actually, you know, sit down and talk about the hiring of Jerry Colangelo, uh, you know, the hiring of Mike D'Antoni. And from, you know, all reports, it was Mike D'Antoni who kind of got the wheels rolling on this, you know, trade for Ish Smith, you know, the two second round picks uh, to bring Ish back to Philadelphia. Um, you know, what does that mean to you that at least in this instance, it seems like, you know, Sam Hinkie took the back seat and, um, you know, kind of let them do what they uh, thought was right for the team? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And obviously, uh, you know, I don't think anyone knows exactly what the future holds as far as the, you know, the power dynamic between Colangelo and Hinky. Uh, You know, I think Hinky kind of, from the, the quotes in his, uh, you know, like speaking since the Colangelo hire, not necessarily in any way admitted that, he like he would have done things differently but I think he he did kind of say like hinted that you know the vet, a veteran presence might not be bad he said that he didn't realize that you know Kendall Marshall was going to be out for quite as long as he was he thought that you know maybe he he would have been the starter since opening night so you know I don't think even even Sam necessarily thought that things were going to get quite as ugly you know he couldn't have predicted uh you know Jalil's off-court issues I mean some might say you know if there was veterans there that might not have happened but that's you know that's give or take he, you know, neither here nor there he couldn't have really predicted that so I think the the beginning of this season maybe even started a little bit more rocky than he had uh you know than he had anticipated and then you know that once Colangelo was brought in really what what option does he have if he's going to be resistant to the you know with the owner's wishes and he's going to be out the door so you know I'm sure he, he he's a smart guy Hinky. I'm sure he like you know appreciates what Colangelo has to offer and I'm sure in this situation he couldn't have been too happy to give up the second round picks, but at the same time, you know, you know, he probably understands the benefits of bringing a guy, a veteran in to help the younger big guys. And especially a guy like Ish that's, uh, you know, already been with the franchise and has a, a good reputation and a good like repartee in the city with the other players. So, uh, you know, it, it'll definitely be very interesting to pay attention to going forward, how that dynamic between the two of them works. Uh, you know, if it comes down to a major move, you know, the, the ish signing is kind of, you know, in this realm of the NBA world, it's a pretty minor, minor deal. We're just talking like a couple million. It'll it'll be interesting, say, in the summer, if it comes down to signing, a, you know, a near max guy in free agency. And if they have differing opinions at that point, then, uh, you know, then it'll, it will be really interesting. But as far as the ish signing goes, I think uh, I'm sure Hinky kind of realized the value of such a move and probably didn't, you know, didn't give too much resistance to it. 
Yeah, for sure. And, you know, uh, another familiar face to us, uh, you know, joined the team as well. Uh, they got rid of Christian Wood, brought in Elton Brand, uh, the old school Chevy, as, uh, you know, people used to call him <laughs> here in Philadelphia. Um, yes, but, but yeah, I mean, uh, do you feel like this was just a, a case of, you know, what they're talking about all along, bringing a veteran presence, um, you know, they had Jason Richardson on the team last year who, who kind of acted like that um, on the team. But now you got a guy who actually went to Duke uh, like Jalil Okafor and, you know, kind of knows the, the stresses that come along with being, you know, a top three pick and, um, you know, just living up to kind of the hype of that along with the NBA lifestyle. Um, but what what do you think overall of, of that move and, and kind of the implications that come from that. I mean, I love Elton Brand. You know, I like uh, I, I liked him a lot. Obviously, when he was here, it was after uh, you know a couple of surgeries, he lost a little a, a little step, so he wasn't quite the uh, you know the explosive, dynamic player that he was earlier in his career in, in uh, Los Angeles. But as you said, the old school Chevy. You know, he uh, he got you know. He, <laughs> got the reputation in Philly of just being like a hard nosed guy uh, came to work every day, was consistent. Like you said, he's just a good locker room guy. Uh, you know, I, I didn't expect when, when they discussed the uh, adding veteran presence to the team, I didn't necessarily think it would be a guy that was re- basically retired and isn't go, isn't really going to play. I think that part of it's like a little bit interesting. I, I don't really know from the dynamic of a locker room, how it goes, you know, like usually when if there's a veteran player, he's contributing on the court, and the guys kind of you know gain a a kinship through that. It's, it'll be a little bit more interesting if Brand's solely there just as a locker room presence to see how the players relate to him. But uh, you know, I, I'm definitely a little, a little bit biased in favor of Elton. Uh, you know, I think I do think like you mentioned, he knows uh, knows what come what comes with being a highly touted pick, being the first pick in the draft. He. Uh, you know, great college career, long professional career, that, you know, consistent throughout throughout many years. So I think uh, he's definitely a fine role model to have around the, uh, you know, the younger guys, especially the younger big guys like Jalil. Um, you know, it's kind of strange to take up a roster spot. Uh, I guess would be my only, the only thing that was a little bit interesting. Not that I thought Christian Wood was developing into like the next Amari Stoudemire or anything like that, but uh you know, that was kind of the opposite of what Hinky had been doing, you know, uh, jettisoning, jettisoning a, a young, you know, unproven player t- in order to give his roster spot to a 30, you know, 36-year-old veteran that's basically not even going to play. It's, it, you know, it's a pretty polar opposite to what Hinky's been doing. But, uh, again, it's a pretty low-scale move. And, uh, you know, I, I think Elton will absolutely have, a you know, a good presence and a good uh, – you know, a vibe in the locker room for the Sixers. So, uh, you know, it certainly can't hurt. And it's, uh, it's nice to see his face back on the sidelines. I think the guy's really happy to respond <laughs> to seeing him. He's all, He always seems to be, you know, like having a good time and, you know, smiling and joking around with the guys. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like the move overall. I think uh, I think it's good to have him back. I'm curious, what, uh, what are your feelings about it? Yeah, I, I mean, I've got gotten the chance to interview him several times uh, over the years. Um yeah, I mean, just a, a seasoned professional. Like, when you talk to him, you know that, that this guy really knows what's going on in, in terms of just everything on the court, everything off the court. He, he's he been through it for so long. And, um, 
yeah, you, you can just tell that he's a guy that, that would sit down after games and, and study film and really, you know, figure out the role that uh, he's supposed to be in at all times on the court, you know, not just, you know, coming off the bench for a few minutes. You know, he's uh, he, he's really, you know, performed in every kind of situation uh, throughout his NBA career. You know, I never reached an NBA Finals, but, you know, he – he definitely had some playoff runs in him, and uh, you know the the last one with the Hawks, unfortunately, ended with him uh, missing you know a crucial free throw there. But um, yeah, I mean overall, just a, a great personality, great locker room guy. I mean these players can only learn um, from him, and I'm sure Brett Brown likes to have kind of a guy to, to look out for the team on the sideline while, you know, he's coaching and um, everything like that during games. So, yeah, just o- overall a good signing. And, and once again, you you would think that this had more to do with Jerry Colangelo than Sam Hinkie just based on the fact that, you know, um, uh, a player like Christian Wood is uh, cut in his place who obviously might be able to give you something down the road where – Elton Brand is, without a doubt, you know, towards the end of his career, might be able to give you, like, five minutes in a game. But, uh, you know, he's definitely not going to go out there for 15 to 20 minutes. Um, But, yeah, I mean, moving on from that, uh, once again, this is the 76ers report. Uh, Jeff McMenamin here alongside Michael Kasky blow Um, Yeah, I mean, outside of that, there's just kind of been a lot of buzz surrounding – you know, what the Sixers are going to do in the draft, you know, the upcoming draft here. And it's basically a two-headed race is what it seems like right now um, between Ben Simmons and uh, Brandon Ingram of Duke. Um, I don't know if you've gotten the chance to see either of them play, um, but what are your, you know, thoughts on on their different styles of play and, and how they'd fit here in Philadelphia? First of all, considering like you just said, it's a two-horse race, I am just hoping that finally the Sixers don't get that third spot because that would just be frustrating (laughs) for the third year in a row to get the third spot, especially when you said there's two guys on the board that really look like they they might fit the bill for the Sixers. Um, You know, obviously Ben Simmons is a name that, you know, everyone's been talking about. I have – he's been – I think on national TV by far the most of any college player. So it's, I have been able to catch a couple of his games and, you know, uh, there's nothing else I could say that, you know, anyone else hasn't said he's, his athleticism really. And like just his like kind of feel for like the court really is what struck me the most. Uh, but more so I'd like to concentrate on Ingram who I finally just got to watch uh, a couple of weeks ago. I hadn't, I'd heard, you know, a lot of good things about him and that's a guy there that also, you know, it looks like he might be a really good, uh, you know, like second option. Like if, if somehow the Sixers get the number two pick and Simmons is gone, Ingram looks like a guy, you know, and I haven't got to see him play that much yet, but from what I have seen, I don't want to say too much, but he almost to me looks like he might fit with the Sixers better immediately. He he almost looks like a guy that you could just stick, like he's, he's a three, you know, like you could just put him at the small forward position and he's going to score it like right from the beginning. And obviously, you know, he'll he'll get better, but he looks like a guy that you could just put in. Simmons, uh, you know, just because of his size and, like, the way he plays, where, you know, he can pass, he can rebound, he can obviously score. You know, he he plays a lot of four. It's just, his exact fit with the Sixers is a little bit more 
you know, like difficult to determine at this point. Not that, you know, obviously the team isn't drafting for fit. If they have the first pick, they're going to take Simmons. It's not, you know, but it's just, you know, from what I've seen, Ingram does look like another guy that could be, you know, a really, really nice pickup for the team if they don't end up getting Simmons. Um, what are your thoughts on these two? Yeah, you know, I wake up every day in a, a cold sweat thinking about that number three spot falling to the Sixers. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> it'll happen somehow. It always happens. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's really exciting to think about, you know, either one of these players on the Sixers, you know, Ben Simmons or Brandon Ingram. You know, Ben Simmons averaging, you know, 20 points a game, 13 rebounds, five assists, uh, you know, this year for LSU. And in his past nine games, Brandon Ingram has just been on fire, you know, averaging 25 points, 10 rebounds, two assists, two steals, almost three blocks uh, per 40 minutes. So, you know, it really is this kind of two-headed race. Um, You know, we had this a, a couple of years back with, Andrew Wiggins and Jabari Parker, and obviously the Sixers missed out on that. Um, so, you know, I I think it's intriguing to kind of see both of their styles of play. I, I think, like you said, the better fit for the team might be Brandon Ingram just for the simple fact that, you know, he is that solid three who can step outside, hit the three ball on a consistent basis. You know, he's six foot nine. Uh, seven foot three wingspan. He kind of measures out exactly like Kevin Durant. You know, he obviously has to put on some weight and um, you know improve kind of the conditioning aspect that um, being an NBA player kind of demands of you. Uh, if you want to go for immediate impact player, you know Brandon. Uh, I'm sorry, Ben Simmons is is more of the fit there. You know, he can kind of jump in and give you defense immediately, you know, give you rebounding immediately, um, some of that uh, post-scoring. Um, you know, he, he's drawn a lot of comparisons, too. A lot of people say, you know, at, at best he could be the next LeBron James. I don't really see that happening, but um, I do see, you know, the comparisons people make of uh, Lamar Odom or uh, Draymond Green um, where he can just come in and be that kind of, beast defensively on the wing um so yeah i mean i think it's really exciting and to just be able to plug either one of them right into the starting lineup and um you know immediately likely be your best player you know no one knows yet about joel Embiid, but um yeah I, i mean you'd have to say that either one of these guys in terms of their you know scoring ability people would look to them as, as the Sixers, you know, face of the franchise. Um, but, yeah, it should be interesting to see how everything plays out. There's still Dario Saric, uh, you know, eventually coming over and, you know, with Embiid coming back, you don't really know what's going to happen to the front court um, in terms of uh, Jalil Okafor and Nerland Noel and, you know, who's going to be riding the bench, if someone's going to get traded. So there's still a lot to kind of figure out, Um you know, even immediately after the draft, uh, if if the Sixers were going to go the route of a trade or something like that. But, you know, it's always good to have options. Uh, And I I think that's what Sam Hinkie has kind of preached throughout his term as general manager is optionality. And, uh, Mike, you know, how do you like just kind of the chances 
you know, we're we're talking about two potential, you know, studs for the next ten years coming to the Sixers. You know, what do you think of that possibility? Uh, I mean, it's it's exciting. That's that's really all you can say. I think the team has really just been in a constant state of kind of waiting for that next, you know, that next guy that can carry the franchise since you know Iverson was shipped to Denver. Uh, and, you know, like, like you said, I think that is really important, the optionality that, uh, you know, that Hinkie has left the team with. Uh, you know, obviously his future, uh, it's coming to like a, a little bit of question with the, you know, the bringing in Colangelo and all that. But uh, it's definitely, I think, important to, you know, realize and especially going forward, if he were to no longer be with the team, he, he did put the team in, in position to do, you know, to make itself into a contender as far as, you know, the cap space that they'll have this summer and the draft picks coming up and and also the trade potential. Uh, that's You know, with the, you know, there's a lot of young talent on the team right now that, as you said, it doesn't necessarily all fit together. I mean, the chances that Jalil, Joel, and Noel are, you know, going to all three play together for the next 10 years, uh, probably not, like, super realistic. But, you know, there's value in those guys across the league and, you know, that optionality combined with, Space that the team has, and the you know the draft picks that will still be coming in, and you know Savage coming over. There's just like you said, there's just a lot of different pieces that it will. It, it really seems it will kind of start to be coming into place this summer. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to, to see what the team does in free agency, if anything. You know, if this is a a year that they actually finally decide to pursue some uh you know actual big name guys out there in the summer, like that. You know, they haven't really done that over the past couple of years. Uh, so, you know, I, I do think that Sam has put the team in, in a great position to really build itself up. And, you know, just the potential that either Ingram or Simmons is added to the pool of talent that the team already has, you know, it's just exciting. And like like you said, we just really got to keep the fingers crossed that the, the pick lands in the top two. Uh, you know, despite all the, you know, the national criticism and focus, uh, you know, to say that the Sixers still haven't finished with the, the worst record either the past two years. Um, you know, it looks like they might might this year unless, you know, the there's a good chance that the, the Nets are uh, might get passed by the Sixers <laughs> if they keep if they keep winning that the you know, they have like been since Ish came back. But uh you know, they're obviously gonna finish with one of the worst two bottom records again and just gotta hope that uh, you know, come May the ping pong balls treat treat them a little bit better this year. Yeah, it's always good. Whenever you can take a shot at Nets Daily, um, I, I think that's the highlight of any Sixers fan's day. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I I was smiling ear to ear when Billy King, you know, was fired and Ryan Holmes was let go. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's uh, it's a great time to, to be a fan. I, I feel like we always come back to, to saying this, and then something, you know, bites us in the ass uh, at some point, um, you know, with wanting to get D'Angelo Russell all last year, wanting to get Andrew Wiggins, you know, uh, it it always kind of comes back to haunt us. So hopefully this is, you know, the year, hopefully the third time really is the charm for this team in the draft. And, um, you know, they can finally get the guy that kind of everyone was looking for and, can play immediately, you know, that's always a big thing. It was nice to finally get um, a lottery pick in Okafor, who, you know, has been playing well of late, and, uh, you know, to get him out there and uh, actually playing on the court in this rookie season. That was a um, But, yeah, you know, the Sixers always have 
even though they're the worst team in the league, they always kind of have these interesting and um, debatable topics going on. You know, another one uh, was announced today when, when the team said, you know, in an upcoming ceremony to retire Dolph Shays as number four um, with the Sixers, Nerland's Noel is going to continue to wear number four the rest of the season. They haven't said, you know, either way, if he's going to eventually change his number, uh, that's all we know at this point. Um, I don't think this has ever been done in any professional sports uh, where, you know, a player retires his number and yet, you know, a, a player on the team can still continue to wear that number I think the only case where, you know, any professional sport where players have worn someone else's number is Jackie Robinson's 42, you know, once a year. Uh, So, you know, what do you think of kind of this overall move by both the Sixers and Noel? Yeah, it's definitely interesting. Never, uh, I've never really heard of a, you know, a number being retired and then a player continuing to wear it, uh, you know, I mean, it's it's cool that at least he's getting to wear it throughout the rest of the year. It would be kind of weird if he was forced to, you know, switch it uh, mid-season. But it's, you know, I, I'm usually also fully behind numbers getting retired. Uh, you know, obviously when that's even when that move is made, it, the player was usually super deserving. Uh, you know, you and I were both super excited to hear that Moses Malone's number will be uh, retired by the team next year. And uh, you know, Dolce mm-hmm. is also you know a big part of the the team's history. So he's certainly deserving of it. Uh, you know, Noel has his whole future behind him. So if he has to switch numbers, hopefully he can, uh, you know, pick a new one that will eventually be up in the rafters next to all the others. Yeah. If you were you know, going to pick a number for Nerlens, uh, what would that be? Oh man, that is a good question. <laughs> uh, he looks like the number one to me, just because he's so like skinny and tall with the <laughs> with the flat top and everything. But obviously, number one's taken. So I, I don't know if <laughs> I might tr- take something for him, like an intimidating number, like Robin, like ninety one, or like when Meta World Peace pulled out like ninety, just like some random like defensive number, since he's like you know like a defensive <laughs> guy, just like throw throw him on like a you know ninety two or something like that, just to like be a defensive stopper. Yeah, I think I would have to go with number eight. Um, just because I'm imagining like Nerlens's head as uh, the bottom part of the eight and his afro as the top part, just you know, adding adding some flavor into that jersey a little bit. Maybe you can do some shading on that that top part of the eight during one of the what games. That, I don't know, but uh, what does that leave Oka for then if Noel switches to number eight? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, it was you know our our favorite. Tony Roden's number before that, so uh, sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it, it's interesting. I, I think player number changes are always um, kind of intriguing to see what they go with. You know, everyone kind of thinks back to Jordan going from you know 23 to 45, and then Kobe going from number eight to 24. Um, you know, it's, it's always kind of interesting to to see their thought process and doing that and. I'm sure, you know, after the season, Noel is going to have to, you know, he can't wear number four again, so he's going to have to go into the bank and and see what he comes up with. Um, But, yeah, I mean, some other topics, uh, more on the the funny side of things here. 
uh, you know, the Sixers announced today that they're going to have kind of these uh, these music concerts at halftime at some of their upcoming games. Uh, you know, I, I went to a game in years past where uh, I think it was Jewish Heritage Night for the Sixers. They do that every year, and they had uh, Modest Yahoo performing at <laughs> yeah, time. And, I was um, at that game, too. <laughs> So yeah, I, I thought that was kind of funny. Um, I actually got to like you know say hi to him after the game, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, but yeah, they announced that Montel Jordan is going to be singing uh, "This Is How We Do It" at the Bulls game Thursday night. Uh, then they got a uh, tag team singing "Whoop, There It Is," uh, right. <laughs> another right. upcoming game, and then uh, Naughty by Nature sing "Hip Hop Hooray." Uh, who else? Oh, we got Cupid, the Cupid Shuffle coming up at, at another Sixers game. Uh, I mean, I know that uh, a lot of times in playoff series, I've seen where teams pull out, you know, these musicians. Like, I think Coolio did halftime of uh, the Clippers playoff game last year, singing Gangster's Paradise. But, yeah, do you think this is uh, kind of a, a fun new thing that the Sixers are trying to do here? <laughs> I mean, definitely funny, especially considering that uh, that they're reaching back in the, like the mid '90s for most of these uh, <laughs> most of these musical acts. But I, I mean, it's yeah, I guess it's fun for fans. I mean, most of the time, halftime is you know you go to the bathroom, grab a beer, grab a hot dog. Like you know, it, it's something to watch. You know, during in between the games. And plus, I mean, if you're the Sixers as currently constructed, you're uh, you know obviously in the bottom tier of the league in, in terms of attendance, and uh, you know the team's obviously struggling on court, so. You know, it, it obviously it makes sense and can't hurt to, to take uh, you know some extra off-court initiatives to make the whole you know the game attending experience a little bit more fun and like you know enjoyable for whoever's coming that would be you know extra enticed to go see Montel Jordan. But uh, you know, I mean, yeah, <laughs> it, can't can't fault the team for trying to add a little bit extra uh, you know entertainment, I guess, to the uh, to the overall experience. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a nice team building exercise to you know really dig deep into these these 90s songs i'm sure half the the players on the team haven't even heard the songs before so that alone you know figuring out these artists would be a fun activity for the team but (laughs) um yeah i mean it's it's definitely great to kind of see the different initiatives that the sixers have done over the years obviously you know when josh harris took over the team so now just the branding for the team in general has been phenomenal. We've talked about it uh, between, you know, the the jerseys this year. They're, you know, awesome. Um, you know, the, the on-court projection, that's always amazing to see live. Uh, you know, you got the, the commercials kind of going back to the roots of the 1776 there. And, um, you know, what What do you think of just overall the work they've done to really appeal to the fans? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, it goes to the whole, the whole like, marketing, branding campaign. I think they have done a good job. Uh, you know, like I said, I think they've kind of realized that, you know, at this time might need a little, you know, a little extra effort and everything to keep the fan base engaged during what's kind of a tough, like, on-court period. Uh, so, you know, I think the jerseys are definitely beautiful. You mentioned they're already, like, they're amongst my favorite in the league. There's 
real nice. And I think the whole uh, the whole experience of going to a game, you know, we've gone to a couple uh, this year. It's they've you know I think done a good job of just made the you know making it a fan friendly experience with a lot of things to look forward to. Um, you know, once the team is. Yeah, you know, I feel like there's so much attention and excitement around the team in the city that you know I feel like once they're even halfway decent and you know building in like even playoff contention, I feel like the excitement for the team will just be, you know, it'll be right there and the the center quote unquote will you know the attendance will definitely be up and be you know more popping than it has been recently. So I think in the in the meantime, I definitely give the team credit for. You know, just keeping the fan base interested and engaged in a, you know, some other like unique ways. So, uh, last topic here before we run out of time. Um, you know, we got the All Star break coming up. Um, you know, no Sixers miss the actual All Star team lineup. But you know, the thing that we've kind of looked forward to in recent years is the rising stars. Uh, you know, rookie sophomore game. Um, so, you know, what players on the team do you think have the best shot to make it? Obviously, you got to think that Okafor is a lock. But uh, what other players uh, do you think have a, a good shot of making that game? Yeah, Okafor is absolutely a lock. Uh, I, I think you'd have to strongly consider T.J. McConnell for uh, for that the that game. He's, I mean, he's been a surprise. Played like you know very well as a rookie. Uh, I haven't checked the the rookie rankings super recently, but I know he was up there in the top few in, his, in terms of assists and steals per game. Uh, you know, I think he he's especially in a game like that, he's good at moving the ball around. Um, Rashawn Holmes is another guy, obviously that uh, hasn't. Did, I don't think he played at all um, last night, but he's uh, no, you know, uh, no. provided some excitement uh, for the you know, to the team throughout the season, uh, brought, you know, some, uh, energy off of the bench. So from, you know, especially for an all-star game, he's had a couple of really nasty dunks, uh, you know, an athletic plays throughout the course of the year. So he's another guy that you would have to consider. And then, uh, you know, of course, if Noel is considered a, a sophomore this year, then he, you know, he'd probably be a lock for a, you know, like a sophomore type team, but, uh, yeah, anybody I, I missed? Well, Roko, uh, you have to, I guess consider Roko. I don't think Stauskas has done enough to, uh, you know, make the team, but I think Roko should. Yeah, I, I think he'll squeeze in a roster spot there. Uh, what do you think of, you know, the the prospect of Okafor then going up against Noel uh, at the center spot? It'd be fun to watch, if nothing else. Uh, you know, at the center spot, uh, you know, from what we've seen, uh, it just seems like Noel is so much more of a natural uh, you know, like a natural fit at the center, just defensively and stuff. It would be interesting to see, uh, you know, to see Jalil try to pull out some of his, uh, you know, his post moves against Noel, especially since he's probably getting kind of used to them, you know, playing against them in practice a lot, you know, day in, day out. But uh, that would definitely be fun to see them, uh, you know, kind of challenging each other on that stage. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, that's all we've got for today's show. But, yeah, it was – you know, great to be back in 2016 and talking some Sixers. You know, the team is, you know, as we've seen, playing a lot better. So it's nice to actually talk about some positives rather than, you know, kind of drudging through the negatives for, uh, you know, the majority of kind of the start to the season there. Uh, I'm sure you're relieved, right, Mike? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
But, uh, yeah, we'll we'll get back next time. Make sure to follow us on uh, Twitter at 76ers Report as well as Stitcher. And, uh, yeah, ha- have a good night, everyone. Man, it was real cool in school If we got good grades, I straight up A's The parents would take us to a 76 game I got my game and there ain't no shame Big shots of Mo Cheeks and Moses Malone Julius Serva called Philly is home Bobby Jones, Daryl Dawkins, and Tony Sinkin' Freeze Rocky Bobo will come from South Philly But if you wanna make it on time to the show There's only one road that you really have to know So get to Fishtown without all that job I suggest that you drive on I-95 Wanna get downtown but fit in the fix Get on that road, they call 676, the most expensive, expensive piece of interstate They ever made a fella same payment, but they got the game Getting on 76ers, travel by me, this Larry Bird Getting on 76ers, travel by me, this Larry Bird Shoot the middle man out, this guy Welcome. 